the one who knocks. Pop, pop. Oh, no. <laughs> Why don't you do something with your life? You contribute nothing to society. Good morning, Vietnam! Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking, don't they? You know my code. Hoes before bros. You can't handle the truth. Buzz your girlfriend. Woof. Nobody calls me mad dog. Especially not some dooted up egg sucking gutter trash. Hello and welcome to my first time in the podcast all about the gaps in our pop culture resume. Each episode as our panel sits down to debate, dispute and discuss a much loved classic. They'll be joined by the first timer, someone who's never before experienced that cultural icon. Will they see what the fuss is or just be left wondering what the hell was that? <laughs> my name is Dan and I'm joined each and every week by Eden. Hello there. And Aiden. Catchphrase. And this week we are waggling our wands with the San Sebastian's Dan Kranich as we leap into the Harry Potter film series right where it started with Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Welcome, Dan. <laughs> Pleasure to be here. Thanks, guys. Uh, so, Dan, uh, you chose Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Just if, if you're listening for the first time, we don't force anything on our guests. What led you to, A, avoid Harry Potter in the first place, and B, <laughs> subsequently choose to watch it on this podcast? Um, well, I guess I wanted to be as sincere and um, you know, kind of take this seriously. So when I looked at that list... I could have picked something that I actually liked or, or, or could come in and really riff on, but I thought, you know, fuck, I'm gonna, I'm, I am going to pick something that I have a- avoided a little bit like the plague, and that, is <laughs> ha- and that is Harry Potter. And it's funny, you know, because I love Lord of the Rings, and I do love a bit of fantasy. I love Game of Thrones. For some reason, Harry Potter, I don't know why. I think it was when I remember when it kind of came out and everyone was reading the book, you know, and like kind of like grown men having, you know, Harry Potter Duna covers and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, there was something of, there was, Eden. yeah. Wait, wait, what, 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 what? How's everyone looking at me? I've seen it on the back line at your place. Hey, that, that's not mine. Once <laughs> my neighbor. And I don't know why. I mean, I think at the time I was working in a pub and, you know, you'd get like grown men sitting at the bar with a pint of stout reading Harry Potter and, I'm not, you know, I'm not one to judge, but I did just think, I mean, come on, <laughs> you know, like you judged. Yeah, I yeah. did. I did. It's a kid's book. I did judge. Yeah. I did yeah. judge. It's a kid's book. Um, well, before we go any further and yeah. we get more of your thoughts, uh, we also we like to let our listeners get to know our guests a little bit. They've listened to enough of us. Twenty odd episodes now, by the way. Thank you for Woo! listening, everybody. You're welcome. Uh, You're welcome, listeners. <laughs> uh, we like to ask you. I've got ten yes nos for you. So I'm going to just say something. You just got to give me a. Yes, no to this pop cultural thing. <laughs> cool. ABC Classic AM. Um, in theory, yes, but in practice, no. <laughs> that was a lot more than yes or no. <laughs> the OC. No. The Monarchy. Uh, no. I don't know what it is. Horses. Oh, oh, do you mean in general or is <laughs> yeah, it a TV I mean, the show? Monarchy. The Queen. The uh, cons- kind of yes. <laughs> In a weird way. You got into the Harry Megan wedding? I was so against it, and then I came home and it was on, and I was kind of loving it. <laughs> I gotta admit. Horses by Daryl Brathwaite? No. Horse with No Name by America? Yes. Kate Moss? Yes. The Avengers? No. Andrew O'Keefe? Uh, who? <laughs> Solid. The Walking Dead? <laughs> no. Kiss? Kinda. <laughs> you are not following the rules here at all. 
yes. Uh, if it had to be yes or no, I'd probably say yes. Okay, yeah. that's fair. We'll accept yeah. that. All right, so uh, before we go on, let's uh, do a little... If if you are one of those rare people uh, like Dan, and actually like myself, this was... You've forced me, thanks very much, to also watch Harry Potter for the first time. Uh <laughs> Let's uh, do a little bit of a, a bit of a recap. If you're if you're driving and you're like, oh, I've never seen Harry Potter either, and you've somehow managed to avoid uh, absorption by osmosis, let's do a little recap for you. The Harry Potter series has to be one of those select few properties where even without having read the books or seen the films, the majority of people would be widely aware of its major themes, characters and locations. The film series, like its book source materials, begins with Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. The book, written by J.K. Rowling, as if you didn't know that already, was released in 1997. Remarkably, its first print run was a paltry 500 copies. But powerful reviews and word of mouth took hold, and within four years, the book had sold over 11 million copies. Of course, Hollywood would come knocking, and in 2001, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone was cramming them into cinemas worldwide, launching the careers of Daniel Radcliffe as the eponymous character and Emma Watson as the young wizard. Hermione? Hermione? Hermione. Hermione. I can't remember. (laughs) Granger. The movie starts with an orphaned infant Harry Potter being delivered by the wizard Dumbledore to a bunch of non-magical humans, muggles in the Harry Potter vernacular, who (laughs) proceed to treat Harry like their personal slave. As he ages, Harry starts to exhibit some magical power, and at the age of ten, he's invited to attend Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, which he manages to do despite the best efforts of his muggle family to prevent him. On the way to Hogwarts aboard a magical train, Harry befriends Ron Weasley and Hermione Granger, all of which are subsequently drafted to the same wizard team at Hogwarts. From there, we find out that an evil wizard called Voldemort killed Harry's parents, but when he tried to kill Harry, was somehow cursed himself, and so now doesn't have a body. I think. Harry Potter nerds may be outraged by that summary. Anyway, of course, Voldemort is now back and wants a body, and to do that, he'll need the Philosopher's Stone, a stone hidden within Hogwarts that grants the possessor eternal life. Harry and his little magical mates play some Quidditch and stuff, but the main thread is they think Hogwarts teacher Severus... Severus Snape, yeah. Severus Snape, played with (laughs) devilishly dark attitude by the late, great Alan Rickman, is working with Voldemort to steal the stone. In a twist worthy of a Midsummer Murders episode, of course he's not. It's actually some innocent-looking wizard who is carrying Voldemort around in the back of his head. Seriously. (laughs) Of course, Harry and Chum saves the day, and Voldemort has to find a new head to sit in the back of. I think. The movie was uh, an enormous success, generating nearly $1 billion at the box office and leading to a slew of sequels. Millions have loved it. But but today, all that matters is what does our guest, Dan Kranich, think? Is Harry Potter a magical ride of friendship and adventure, or about as magical as your Uncle Ken finding a coin behind your ear for the 10,000th time? (laughs) Um, It's complicated in a way. Um... You know, I get why people would like it, you know, and I get that it's a, it's great for kids and stuff. And I guess, it, like, to be positive about it, I did like almost that kind of, like, Beatles-y slash Dickensian Englishness of it. You yeah, know, that's fair. You know, I liked the, you know, when they were in that, um, you know, when Harry's living under the stairs, the kind of, you know, the, the way that uncle was that 
brutish piggish kind of like with all the when all the letters were flying into the house there was lots of that stuff that, a little bit Roald Dahl a bit Roald, definitely yeah. very Roald Dahl I thought Matilda yeah all yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah there was or a, James and the Giant Peach this abused <laughs> kid you know escaping yeah. his horrible family yeah. yeah there was something quite kind of fantastic yeah I mean obviously fantastical about it um you know yeah I th- you know I mean when I was trying to kind of give a bit of a summary this morning to my girlfriend, you know, cause I thought, okay, I've got to talk about this, this movie, kind of what happened in it. And it was kind of basically then just kind of romping around the wizard school really, mm. wasn't it? Hog- yeah. Hogwarts yeah. And, and, yeah. and kind of the, the adventures that kind of happened. Um, yeah. Looking for the philosopher's stone. And then, um, you're like, <laughs> Dan's like, I didn't ask you to give me a summary. <laughs> um, no, no, but, the, but the thing is, yeah. this, this film or book not only has its storyline that carries out throughout the film, it also sets up for future films and future books. Of course. So it has yeah, a little yeah. bit of a beginning type tale and then the main storyline, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in a way, if we had been thorough, we could have done the, the whole thing. Nope. That would have been too. Nope. Uh, <laughs> couldn't like... have. Couldn't have. <laughs> well, Impossible. I, I wanted to bring that up. What are we rating and talking about today? Yeah. Are we Philosopher's, talk... Stone, Philosopher's, Stone. Philosopher's Stone. Philosopher's Stone. Philosopher's Stone. The film. Film? The film. The film. Not the book. Not the book. And no, not the franchise. The not the franchise. No. We're talking about this starting movie and movie alone. Okay. Yeah. I just I just wanted to make the record clear because, you know, I've got mixed feelings about this. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, look, we haven't all seen all the films and read all the books. Sheets on the line, mate. Okay. <laughs> I have. <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely thought that there was enough um, interesting kind of cool little magical things like I loved the way the paintings would move and I, I liked the riffs that she does on classic Tolkien-esque kind of fantasy you know the world that's created yeah, is amazing. yeah. it's amazing and you know sure there's lots of cliches um, and sure a lot of it is borrowed but you know so is lot most you know lots of great stuff definitely um but i did think that she put enough of a original twist on those old riffs to still make it feel kind of fresh and cool like you know the way the frog like the chocolate frog would jump out of the thing and you know the mm-hmm. card the hole at the card with the and they're like well of course he's not there anymore it's like his little spirit is in the card or something and then leaves the card after a few minutes yeah. it's yeah i mean there was lots of cute, interesting little quirks. Speaking of Lord of the Rings, watching the movie started on a high point for me. Actually, no, I lied. started on a low point when I was like two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, I was watching with uh, my wife, Ash, and the high point to me was completely non-ironically, as uh, she's watching it with me and Dumbledore first appears to drop the uh, baby Harry Potter off. She's like, oh, is that Gandalf? I was like, mm, yeah, you're, you don't have any idea. <laughs> I feel like I'm about to state the obvious, but you know it's the same actor in future films. Uh, no, it's not. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. No, it's Ian McKellen who plays Gandalf, and it's uh, Richard Harris in the first two movies, yeah. and then Michael Gambon in the next bunch. Nerd fight. Nerd yeah, fight. Yeah. Nerd fight. <laughs> My apologies. I bow down to the king nerd. <laughs> Damn it! I just knew I, that I won, but I feel like I, think I lost. He set you yeah. up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was Damn an absolute you. setup. I just, I just knew that he got replaced yeah. because of, because he passed away. Obviously, yeah. My I bad. was most excited at the uh, intro of the film when Harry's with his Muggle family to see the fat guy from Pie in the Sky. So good, right? Yeah. <laughs> What's his name? I don't know, but he. Um, 
Uh, yeah, he passed away recently. Oh, then is now everyone I sound in this film dead now? Yes, <laughs> I think that John is John Cleese was in it as well, wasn't he? Yeah, that was cool to see him yeah, in there. So good. Yeah, that was really good. So that can was I? A strange can, little thread. Yeah, there was another it. comedian that was meant to be in the film. Do you know Rick Mail? Yeah, yeah, oh, from Young Ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Drop Dead Fred. Yes, yeah, yeah. of he, course. Was he going to be John Cleese's character? No. Oh. So if you've read the books, it's going to be Harry Potter. This is about where I'm. I am going to show my nerd side. Um, he was meant to play uh, Peeves, but that character got cut completely. But the story is that he actually went, filmed his scenes, got his money, and then due to time and whatever, they cut that character out, and so he never makes it into the films, and that character is just removed from... Who is Peeves? For so, those that haven't read the books. So Peeves is another um, poltergeist or ghost that sort of haunts the um, castle, and he's more of the... Um, prankster type ghost which Rick Mayo would have played brilliantly yeah, he would have been great at yeah. that yeah. yeah I mean the books to, to, from what I know uh, or from what I hear are far more nuanced um, and interesting than the movie like when we were watching the movie I was like there was a few little things that I'd kind of missed because I'll be honest, I was paying about three quarters <laughs> of the attention that I probably should have been. And as we said before, on a Saturday night, it was the same night that we found out about Anthony Bourdain as well, who's a real hero of mine. That threw me a little. I was yeah, finding it hard to maintain. I was finding it hard to, to keep up the Harry Potter enthusiasm. <laughs> um, but um, Laura was saying that the books are far more kind of nuanced and 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 interesting and there's way more little threads than the movie which they which is a much more simplistic kind of plot. Well, yeah. I would say that I have read all the books and I really enjoyed the books, couldn't put them down mm. when I was a kid and mm. then I guess as the franchise went on, like I probably read the last few as an adult because mm. of just how they were released. Um but the first film is almost like, "Oh, let's make this see how it goes, mm -hmm. whereas the books were always designed as um, seven or eight books or whatever it is, mm -hmm. whereas this film was sort of self-contained and then we'll see whether it works and then we'll make the others. Gotcha. So it's got an element of, oh, we wrap most things up, whereas in the books yeah. they don't necessarily wrap everything up. Yeah, it plays it's starting out all these. Books. That's right. It's starting all yeah. these interesting threads that will tie up in later episodes. Exactly, which is which is really cool. And when you know, when I've had some of it explained to me, it's very clever. It's, I mean, she's clearly a genius. It's um, so well written, and yeah. the universe that she does create yeah. there are little elements that come out in the first book and are not relevant until the last book. And, Aiden, yeah. I'm so thrown by the fact that you love Harry Potter. <laughs> I, I, need I to, get it. I, I need to get a bit meta for a moment Look, and just I, say, you are the total, like, just crap on every little bit of nerd culture you can. <laughs> Look, you just love to get on your little uh, high horse and give the nerds a hard time. But here you are passionately defending... Harry Potter. I understand. We come and we record this podcast and I'm somewhat of a hero to you guys. I'm, no. the, I'm, the, I'm the cool guy. I get it. I get it. But you today I've thrown cool you. Guy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, this is... I really I th liked... You're playing the role here that I was really uh, picking you to play. <laughs> yeah, in, yeah. Passionate defender of the realm. Again, I don't of know Harry if Potter. I should be insulted by that or not. But uh... <laughs> everything is a backhanded compliment. Yeah, to you. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me throw it to you guys, Eden and Aiden, who have who have both read books and seen all the films. I haven't read a single Harry Potter book. Oh. yeah. But you've seen all the films. I've seen all the movies. Whereas I'm the other way around. I've oh. read all the books, but saw the first one. Yeah, we went, get it, mate. We no get it. You read all the books. Oh. Yeah, yeah, mate. <laughs> I can. Read. Who would have thought? <laughs> so is, I mean, you might know Eden because I know you know your uh, wife is into it, and we'll probably Huge, talk about yeah. that when we give the scores. But 
Is this movie looked back on with like fondness by those that like Harry Potter, or do they go, oh, that's a rough place to start? Yeah, uh, Kirsty was kind of like my wife was in the sort of middle about it. Um, because being such a huge fan of the books, we'll constantly be going, oh, mm, you know, yeah, it's good, but there's always like this, yeah. this, and this. Whereas, uh, I don't know. I I saw Philosopher, uh, Philosopher's Stone when it came out, and I was in high school, um, but was a huge Lord of the Rings fan and had mm. been playing D anD D and saw this as a kids' movie. So I went and I thought, oh yeah, it was all right, but never really, you know, loved it. Mm. Uh, in time, like watching it again for the podcast, I was like, oh, this is this is. I enjoyed this. Mm. I enjoyed it a lot, and I kind of thought it felt kind of like a bit of a. 80s movie in that it's just about a kid who discovers he's a wizard, at least at the beginning. It, it goes into a bit more of the wizard world than an 80s movie would. It also mm. feels a bit like an 80s movie in that some of the effects haven't held oh, up too that well. That is very true. Some of the like flying around on the broomstick is like very basic green screen sort <laughs> yeah, of stuff. Yeah. So that sort of threw me a bit. I was expecting more. I was expecting it to be a bit flashier with the effects but i think even though it's old like what you were saying aiden it definitely has that element of like let's just make this movie see how it's taken and then go from there which really turned me off because i loved the books saw this film and went yeah i don't want any part of this film franchise i'm not seeing any of the others and i haven't seen did it feel did it feel too safe did it feel like they were compromising yeah i just i found it really boring the interesting stuff in in the story to just try and placate the masses that's exactly it i found it really boring the film is super long and there's long parts with with nothing really it could have done with a bit more editing I, i i would say that i think two hours would have been perfect yeah but wouldn't that still have been a problem for you, Aiden, or book readers, if it's like a short movie, you'd be constantly going, oh, they left this out, they well, left like, this out. Well, I like, guess I want those boring true. parts filled with the actual things that happen in the book. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, it's like you want one or the other. You either want it really fleshed out, like Lord of the Rings, and get into the nuance, or give me a give me the pop formula, give me the verse, chorus, yeah. bridge, and, you know, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it yeah. may be, I reckon, because they did, it's maybe in a bit of a middle ground like it's not fleshed out enough to be a true kind of epic like a lord of the rings type thing and it's not snappy enough to be just like a really good self-contained little pop yeah song yeah i struggled a bit to understand some of the purpose of i'm gonna i'll ask you this dan as someone who watched it for the first time did you what is the purpose for these wizards in the world they inhabit well, see, this is, and as, as Aiden was saying, I think you need probably the broader context to truly understand it. Like, that's the thing with this movie, and I guess that's why it's hard to really break it down, because it's, by nature, it's setting up the story, right? And the world. The yeah. world. So, you know, I'm sure we'll learn more about all that stuff as the journey progresses. We, <laughs> we'll learn? Are you? Yeah, uh, we'll, no. <laughs> we'll, get to, we'll get to that later, well, actually. That's a question we answer yeah, that, at the end yeah. of the year. Well, no, but I guess that we would learn more as about that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, I was just going to throw that then to you, Aiden. Could you sort of fill in the gap? Like, when they graduate from Hogwarts, what do these wizards do? Well, they, well, they get jobs. They get jobs like everyone like, else. Like accountants but, with a secret bit of wizardry. Well, Skill? I, I, I don't or, know about accounts. Do they go back into the real world? Is that what I am saying? Do they go back to London? Is it another dimension? It's, it's a little bit more of that. They live in a world that most of us don't really see. They, they walk around, they go unnoticed. And they do have regular jobs, but they also have magical jobs. It's, 
it's more like a training to use magic in your everyday life. And and they sort of follow that up in the follow-up films where you see a bit more of like Ron's home life and for you what, see what it's like For what there purpose are they learning their magic, though? <laughs> Like, are they trying to keep the world safe? Well, are they... in the same purpose that we learn maths and English and stuff, it's Ooh. to educate them in magic and, and use it in their everyday life. And they have sort of like a thing, don't they, where like wizards don't use technology or there's some kind of like weird... Yeah, they, they see technology as like, oh, you can't figure out how to do it with magic? Oh, yeah. Come on. Uh, so maybe, okay. maybe there's a bit of a belief I did wonder there. why Hogwarts was so old-fashioned. <laughs> I was like, this place needs a spruce up. Yeah. When's it set... <laughs> It's set in everyday time, like like as in two thousands. Is it though? Because even the it seems like yeah okay, but then Hogwarts world, whatever the Harry Potter world. <laughs> Hogwarts called. world. That yeah, yeah. What's the world called? <laughs> the wonderful well, that, wizarding that world. Fa- of yeah, that you know with that di- what? <laughs> Diagon Alley. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did love that. She's very clever with wordplay, isn't she? Di- yeah. Diagon Alley. Yeah, yeah. I like you know, that. There's lots. That's of, a good scene, actually. Yeah, that was very cool. Um... Yeah, so is it kind of another dimension? Again, it's it's like it's almost like it's happening all around us, and we just yeah. we just we as muggles don't really realize what's going on. Yeah. So like like at the uh, train station when they're going through to nine the and three quarter exactly. Yeah, so very it, clever. It's right there amongst us, but yeah. as muggles or normal people, we just don't realize. Yeah. I do, you know, I think that it's a good, from what I can take, I think it would be a good thing for kids. Like, I feel like there's a bit of a good story to it. I think Harry being, uh, you know, him and his friends, they're kind of a little bit downtrodden and they're always getting picked on by, what's his name, Malco, uh, Mal- Draco Malfoy, Draco Malfoy <laughs> and stuff. Um, yeah, I kind of feel, and you know, the way his parents are so horrible, all his uncle and aunt are so horrible to him. And then I did find it quite heartwarming when Ron's opening the Christmas presents and there's presents there for Harry. You know, I the sweater. Yeah, yeah, it's almost in a way, it's like a classic kind of Christmas tale yeah, or yeah. something. I think it really has like an eightiesness to it. Like that's yeah. sort of like a classic it's sort a of timeless, family movie. It's a yeah. timelessness about the it. The orphan underdog yeah. that wins the day. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Good yeah. versus evil. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Question. I've got a lot of questions for the group here today. Hit me. Why would a wizard be fat? <laughs> like, surely you can use your wizard skills to either just, like, zap the calories out of the food or just zap the fat off your body. Was yeah. there any fat wizards? Like? I don't think they... Hagrid? Oh, yeah, he's massive. See no, but, a wizard? But, but he's, he's more of a... Dwar- mm, he's half dwarf or something. Yeah, he's, he's half... Giant. He's, he's half giant. giant yeah. Maybe in the giant the world that's attractive. And he's technically yeah. not a wizard anymore, but... You find out more about that later. Oh, really nerding it up today here, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Wow, Aiden. He must have got picked on in school. And, yeah. I, and I don't think wizards are as vain as, as as regular people. I think that might be maybe. I don't know. I'm guessing. Oh, man, now. I'm loving you in the role of nerd, <laughs> nerd king. Uh, all bow down. <laughs> what was your take on the game of Quidditch, Dan? Look, I'll be honest with you. I did find that scene a bit boring. Mm. It does. I think it's because it visually doesn't look that great. As you said, it kind of it's all moving around, and it just looks a bit awkward to me. Um, but it's a hitching post in the plot, like in the thread of the movie. You do need that. You know, you need that dynamism. It's like there's this bit, then there's the Quidditch bit. It's a bit of a. Um, it's making the school, I guess, a more. 
detailed and interesting it's, place. It's kind of part of fleshed the, out. Yeah, it's part of the scaffolding of the movie. It's like you know whatever it is. Halfway through, it's the Quidditch scene, and it yeah, I didn't find that scene particularly interesting, but I get that it's needed in you know as being part of the full thing. Well, again, like in the books, they play Quidditch like I don't know four or five at least a dozen, half a dozen times. Mm. It's in the film once. Mm. I, I got some real issues with the rules of that game. Oh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so you get like, what, is it 10 points for scoring a goal? Yeah. I... But, but it's like there's one game happening. Let's just say it's, it's similar to like a game of basketball. Yeah. You get the ball through the hoop. You get some points. Yeah. But completely separately to that game, like 100% separately yeah. to that game, there's a guy flying around in a broomstick, competing against one other guy to find a little ball that's flying around. Yep. Mm-hmm. And if you get that ball, you instantly the game win. is over and you oh. instantly win. Yeah, no. You get 150 yeah, no, so points. I have mentioned this to Kirsty a bunch of times because I kept forgetting that she has explained it to me. But yeah, you don't instantly win, do you, Aiden? But the no. game instantly ends. The game, game instant, ends. The game instantly ends and you get 150 points. But the uh. other team may already be over 150 and yeah. it makes no difference. But it's like a game of AFL where it's like... <laughs> Go and kick some goals, guys, and work real hard to score those goals. Meanwhile, on a field next door, two guys are having an Easter egg hunt, and if one of them finds the Easter egg, they get a thousand goals, and the game ends immediately. I, under- I understand that this can be a little bit complex for you, Muggles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate myself right now. <laughs> It does seem slightly convoluted, doesn't it? Yeah. That, that rule. It's like it's strange. Yeah, a little kind yeah. of kind of awkward. Or People something. actually play it these days, it's though, real, don't they? It's a real thing. Yeah, there yeah, are like yeah. Quidditch leagues around the they world. They run around. They have like a broomstick or a stick in between your legs, and that <laughs> that has to stay there. I think if if you don't have that there, like if you drop it or something, then there's a penalty. <laughs> you plummet to your death. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think a human being is the uh, snitch. Like the the little ball thing that they're chasing around, the golden so, snitch, the golden snitch. To which, is when it? that was announced, Ash was like, "Oh, isn't that a rude word?" <laughs> I was like, "Let's get to change the vowel in there for it to become yeah. slightly rude." <laughs> um, so yeah, like a human being plays that thing, and you've got two pa- two people like running around trying to catch him, and then everyone else is like a bludger. They hit, the, uh, hit a still ball. trying to work out what the rude word was, but anyway. Snitch. Snatch. No. Golden. Oh, golden. Okay. Oh, okay. Golden. Golden. Yeah, golden. yeah gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Any more questions, Daniel? <laughs> so many. Why do they need, why do wizards need so many accessories to use magic? <laughs> <laughs> why do they need a, Yeah, more wh- than a wand. What? <laughs> no, they had other accessories. There's like got wands and broomsticks. Why can't they just do magic oh, you without accessories? you want to ride a wand and look <laughs> I weird. Just want them to fly. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah, can they Wingardium Leviosa themselves? Like, I feel like you're looking upon me like I wrote the book or something. <laughs> can you Wingardium <laughs> Leviosa like a plank of wood? I read them when I was a kid. Stand on it like a hoverboard. I read them when I was a kid. Like, I don't know. Yeah, Here's the so question I had. Here's the question I had when watching the film. Uh, Harry at the beginning is talking to the snake because he breaks into his sort of oh, yeah, um, I like that cage. Scene. Yeah. 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 Uh, and he says, like, oh, is it is it hot where you're from? And then the snake sort of points to the sign. So are we to believe that snakes can read English? 
That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Dan, what's your take? Well, away? I mean, you know, if a snake can talk. I don't know if yeah. it's meant to be exactly. Uh, but he could talk reality. snake. Yeah. yeah. But the snake can't talk human, so the snake can't read. Yeah, but the point. snake, that snake was clearly, I mean, wasn't that kind of a bit magical, that snake? No, oh, no, Harry was magic. Alien. Harry was Come okay. Uh, but no, but I feel like the snake was cognizant of his surroundings enough to know that he was born in captivity. Yeah, um, I don't buy it. <laughs> JK, if you're listening, I found a hole in your tapestry. It's falling apart. <laughs> but I do know that being able to col- talk to snakes is called something tongue. What is it? Uh, cloth tongue? Or, you would know that. Ooh. Oh, no, you're pointing at me, but yeah. I thought I'd give Aiden the chance on this one to be the nerd. What's it called again? <laughs> I, I know it. It's a cool, na- it. it's a cool <laughs> I name. I can't remember. Uh, I think it's parcel tongue. That's parcel it. tongue. Yeah. That's it, yeah. Isn't that a cool name? Is that, is that a life thing are you talking about? Is no, this no, outside no, no. of Harry Potter? No, this is or Harry within... Potter. So oh, okay. in Harry Potter, it's a magical skill that you learn mm. is parcel tongue. And it's and usually like... Um, evil people that do it. Yeah. yeah. Voldemort and Snape yeah. and those sort of crew. Go, what are they called? Body had, eaters? Ghost uh, snatchers? World, world, world snappers. Uh, what no, are no, they called? They called? <laughs> world eaters? <laughs> Spirit eaters? The Langoliers. <laughs> Uh, Real bunch of experts. Um, oh, what are they called? The death podcast. eaters. They're death eaters. Death, death eaters. eaters. That's a... They're death eaters. Death yeah. eaters. There's going to be some enraged Harry Potter fans listening to this. Just like, oh, oh you death, idiots. Death eaters is a great name for a metal band, isn't it? Yeah. Death eaters. That is a good it's name. Yeah. So is Parcel Tongue. So <laughs> the fact that Harry can, without any wizard of, uh, training, talk to that names. snake. Is that supposed to be like a sign that he could turn evil if that's a bit of an would... evil skill? Yes. Yeah. I think it like because it's an, an an innate ability that he had. So yeah, like there's a I think suggesting ooh. That's that's one of the themes that sort of comes up a little bit in this film, but does come up um, more throughout the series in that Harry is so similar to the central bad guy Voldemort, and if he is so similar, maybe we can turn him. That's a bit of a Star Wars kind of A yeah. little bit, yeah. Thing. Yeah. Um, I wonder, you know, funnily, the last movie, which is all dark looking, like I just remember seeing the ads for it and stuff, that's probably good. Like that last one, when it's all like spooky and the whole thing's all like... They're a bit older. Yeah, they're, yeah. A, bit, they're a bit older and they're like fighting Voldemort and that actually looks a bit more Lord of the Ringsy or something. Yeah, I definitely one. like the later movies. Better? Yeah. yeah, but like, I mean, going back to this one, because like, I was like very much watching it as like a this is a kids movie. I thought it was great, yeah. but I still think like the third, fourth, and fifth one for me are fantastic movies and actually kind of make a nice little trilogy on their own. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that thing about watching it as a kids movie because I think maybe my um, conflicted or um, um, you know like. Being uh, slightly torn. Yeah. Um, sorry, brain's not working. Um, uh, ambivalence towards the movie, like being in two minds about it, is because, yes, it's a kid's movie, but people don't treat it like that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, like I think maybe that's why I was always a bit like, ah, it's just way too much of a kid's movie for all these adults to be so kind of obsessed with. Yeah. But that, yeah, maybe that's where the strange friction with me lies. Because to me, it's very much a kids' movie. You don't know how to view it. You're like, am I yeah. watching this? Yeah. Thinking... Am I watching this thinking, yeah, if I was a kid, I'd like this, or am I objectively meant to be enjoying this as a 36 year old? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Am, I, <laughs> am I watching yeah. The Lion King or Shawshank Redemption? Yeah. 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 Um, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's maybe the kind of rub 
that I've always kind of had maybe a little bit with it. Cause I can watch Lord of the Rings and, but see, funnily enough, the Hobbit, when, when I watch the Hobbit movies, they're a little bit more like kind of kids movies. Yeah, in a way. But that was a bit of a weird thing. Cause that should have been one movie. Should, oh, absolutely. Not, should have been one movie yeah, and it yeah. should, and, and have that lighter tone that the exactly, Hobbit has. Yeah. Exactly. What do you think, Aiden? Do you think that like the book, the first book is a kid's book? Does it read as a kid's book? I read it as a kid. Like yeah. I was, um, have you read it since? 12 or 13. No, I haven't read it yeah. since. Um, but I did read the follow-up books like because they were sort of released like every year, every second year. So by the time eight books had rolled around, I was like 23, 24 yeah. sort of age. And I was still reading them because I was you know, captured into this world. Sort Proudly of thing. or with a slight sense of shame? <laughs> <laughs> oh, those judgmental eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably a little bit of shame. Um, but I still really enjoyed them. And, and I do feel like uh, she almost realized that 13, 12 year olds sort of got into it and then they got a bit older, then they got a bit older, then yeah. they got a bit so older. And, and so matured she does, with the audience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The themes get a little bit more complex as the films and books go along. That's interesting. I had friends of mine that admitted to me about a year ago, a married couple that he, he had never read the books, uh, but she was really into them. And they started taking in turns reading the books to each other in bed at night. <laughs> and they didn't say it explicitly, <laughs> but there was just this little like glimmer in the eye that it, yeah. It's so of... shout out to Ben and Noel if you're listening. <laughs> uh, were they wearing costumes? I don't know. I don't know. Wow. But it was, uh, yeah, just it became a nightly ritual to read Harry Potter to each other. How interesting. <laughs> someone was playing with someone's wand. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, this is my... This is my biggest problem with the film and just trying to buy into... Because I guess for me, even if it's a kid's movie, you want to buy into the fact that the danger that is presented, in this case being Voldemort, is is real mm. and could actually, you know, kill uh, uh, the main character. But if Voldemort couldn't kill Harry when he was a defenceless infant, are we supposed to be worried that he can kill a now much more trained and powerful teenage Harry? Well, I think the point is that that was like some freak weird thing, like as an abnormally, like there's this Hitler-esque character that's killed so many people in this magical world and then all of a sudden he can't kill this baby? What? Yeah, but that's, that was the problem for me. Like if you can't kill him when he's a defenseless child and you have a body... How are you going to kill him now? I guess that is something that the movie doesn't maybe do enough to explain. Because isn't it that, like, they don't, because I don't think they say it in the movie, but, like, the reason that he's protected is because his parents sacrifice themselves yeah, his to mother. save him. Oh, there was a hint of a that. A hint, maybe. but yeah. it's definitely not enough. Because I think I've, I think I had to ask Kirsty that. And I was like, yeah, so what, what's, what's the problem? Like, Voldemort wouldn't be able to kill him again later. <laughs> Yeah. But if you if yeah, there was like a sacrifice there, then it makes it a little bit more special and it's like, okay, well, then I can see Harry Potter even being a target for this guy if he can come back yeah. to be like, oh, I'm going to get that kid who ruined my reputation. See, <laughs> I think I could have got into the movie more if it actually started with just throwing me into the middle of Voldemort, killing Harry's parents yeah. and them sacrificing like, themselves. Even like, like 10, oh, or, 10 or 15 minutes of the parents. Yeah, you know, just totally. like So we can come to like them Some and Some legitimate them. backstory. Yeah. But again, that backstory doesn't actually come up until book two, three, four yeah. or so. Yeah. So you, you find out more about Harry's past and the 
um, league that they're in yeah. and the defense and all that and sort of I, stuff. And I guess you're learning it from the perspective of Harry in that exactly, way. Like he doesn't he know has what's no going idea. on. Yeah. yeah. Any other thoughts, Dan? Um, no, I mean, I think um, that's, yeah, I think it really comes down to the lens you look at it through. And I think if you're looking at it as a kid's movie, I thought it was great. Um, you know, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it is one of those weird things that it should, uh, on paper, I should really like it, but I just can't quite get into it for whatever reason. But I do think she's very, very clever and that there's lots of great things about the movie. After these messages, we'll be right back. All right, Dan, uh, you're here talking today about Harry Potter, of course, something that you had never experienced before, but <laughs> we want you to tell us about something you, you love, something that's been a real go-to in your life. Oh, without question, my go-to, it's almost become kind of like oxygen in our household, is Peep Show. Oh, David awesome. Mitchell and, and Robert Webb. It, we just, you know, that's my kind of happy place. And I guess a lot of what I, a lot of the work I do in music involves like a lot of emailing as well. So at the end of the night, um, once I've, sorry, like at the end of the day, once I've spent most of my day in the studio doing emails and listening to music and all that stuff, um, I get to spend some quality time with Laura, my girlfriend, by basically lying on the couch and having Peep Show on. <laughs> and I've seen it so many times that I can do emails on my phone, have that on, and I'm just, I'm good. You know? Yeah, yeah. Peep Show being there just kind of puts me in a good place. And it's just, I still laugh all the time. Like, it is just ingenious in such a kind of interesting unique way um and yeah they really push the boat out you know some of the stuff that happens is just beyond ridiculous you know so for those that haven't seen it uh what is it exactly it's a tv show yeah. or a sitcom compare yeah. it to something else that's um, uh... look i mean the, there are similar similarities there are kind of parallels i think a little to curb your enthusiasm in the sense that it's you know like david mitchell's character mark corrigan is this kind of like misanthropic, um, you know, self-loathing, probably more self-loathing than Larry David, actually. Um, <laughs> he's just, you know, just so full of kind of paranoia and self-doubt and stuff. <laughs> and then Robert Webb, um, who is um, oh, Jeremy in the show, his character is kind of the opposite. They met in college and they're kind of a bit of a study of opposites. He's kind of almost like this kind of techno kind of hippie, kind of like <laughs> sex addicted, kind of like they couldn't be more opposite. And yet equally pathetic in yeah, their own ways. Yeah, oh, just, no, he's worse. And <laughs> and it's so funny as well because his job in it ends up being a life coach and he's probably the most useless human being in the world and his job is a life coach. But yeah, look, I love Peep Show. Shoes, the boringest purchase. If any Sophie was here... We could horse around, try on flip-flops and spray suede protector about. Come on, Mark, it's Sophie and Jeff now. And that's fine, it's not Armageddon. Come on, man, relax. Live a little. Could get brown brogues. Best stick to black. Don't want to go completely mental. We've got four categories with which we judge our films. The first one is the iPhone test. 
How absorbed were you with the film? How distracted were you? You've already hinted at there was a distracting, yeah. uh, a very unfortunate event. Mm. But even without that, do you think this would have fully captured your attention? Out of five. Yeah. Out five, of five. Being, five out of five being, wow, riveted. 2.8. 2.8. Really getting into fractions <laughs> on this episode. <laughs> Loose decimals right three, there. Maybe three. I'll give, I'll give it a three for... Um, but yeah, I did find myself reaching for the phone a fair bit. Mm. I'm going to go three and a half, three point five. Nice. Yeah, I think like uh, I, I, yeah, I reached for my phone a little bit. Maybe it's because I had seen it before. But there are definitely times in the movie that it is a bit, uh, a bit of a snooze. Yeah. I think mm. the film yeah. starts Plateaus a bit. Yeah, as a five, and then every half hour after. To an hour, an hour and a half, it drops a point. So yeah. I reckon I'm down to about a three. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that's a very good summary. Yeah, I, I started excellent. thinking, hey, this is really interesting, mm. and then by the end, I was like, I was looking at the football score, and I was like, I'm going to pause this and watch the last quarter of the game. I, I was quite <laughs> yeah. disengaged. Um, yeah. So I'm going to give it a, a two for starting well but ending poorly. Uh, what about its cultural significance? Do you feel like you're a bit more culturally aware? Is this educated you into something important in our society? Uh, <laughs> that might be overstating it. Um, you know, not really. I don't feel like I'm much the richer culturally for watching the first Harry Potter movie. So out of five? Oh, you know, I mean, yeah, at least I can say I've seen it now. I, so, yeah, maybe 2.5. <laughs> Get into the fractions again. I'm going to go four. I think that the Harry Potter... Uh, franchise is fairly big and like you said we all know uh, various terms from the movie we've seen it on the Simpsons I think it's a culturally significant thing I agree Mm. I'm giving it a four I think there's catchphrases that are created in this film there's a uh, a land like a like a like Disneyland, but Harry Potter land that you yeah, can go I've to. Seen that. Yeah, there's book series, uni- obviously. Universal Stu- no, Dis- no, Universal Studios. Yeah, yeah there's one at Universal. Spin off yeah. books, spin off movies. This is pretty big. Yeah. I agree. And I- I've said this in the past with looking at similar types of movies that it's no doubt of cultural uh, value in our society. People uh, are hugely into it. But you don't need to see the film to absorb it. Like, I already knew, I knew the name, you know, I knew Ron Weasley, I knew Voldemort, I knew it was at Hogwarts, I knew everything that was basically happening without ever having read the book or uh, watched a movie. Yeah, that's kind of probably more where I'm You're at. You're a wizard, like, Harry. We I know. feel like I've watched the movie, but I pretty much already knew the gist of of you know. I don't feel like I've take gleaned that much new. Uh, kind of information about yeah. Harry Potter from watching the first movie. I think I'd have to do the whole thing yeah. to get a little bit more of an in-depth knowledge of it. But um, yeah, I quite like the little knick-knacky wands and figurines and all <laughs> like the Harry Potter yeah. stuff. Yeah, I quite yeah. like. Yeah. I've always been a bit of a sucker for for figurines. Are you more likely to go get one of those Harry Potter figurines now? Then, uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to give it a two and a half as well. It is uh, important, but you know. Returnability. Uh, will you be watching more Harry Potter, Dan? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure. Out You're weighing five. that up? Out of five. 2.5. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I have seen all of them, and I will see them again. And, like, you know, my, my wife loves them. So uh, the returnability... Um, 
I'm going to put it at four because I remember when I first saw the movie when I was in high school, I was like, oh, yeah, cool. I'll probably see the next one, but I wasn't itching to see the next one. Like, uh, I was a Lord of the Rings man. I was, you know. Yeah. I'm going to go four. Okay. Now, this is where I ask the same question that I asked at the beginning of the podcast. We're rating just movie, not book. Yeah, Just the movie. movie. Absolutely. One. Yeah, well, mm. did you say, you I want to back. recap what you said. You've never watched the subsequent films? Never seen any of the others because I was so annoyed and disappointed Your by this nerd movie. heart got broken. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, it's probably the last nerdy thing I actually did invest oh, that's in. That's why it so ruined much rage. you. It ruined you for nerds. This I know. Like, oh finding out God. why Lex Luther uh, <laughs> <laughs> is the bad guy. <laughs> this, this was a crossroad in my nerdy uh, past, and I went, no, nah, I'm oh, done. Just to think, if Christopher Columbus had made a really good movie, Chris Columbus. <laughs> I'm sorry, where are you going with Christopher Columbus? Yeah, he, Chris he Columbus directed the movie. <laughs> but if he had made a movie that was maybe more true to the books, you would be out there watching Star Trek and enjoying some D&D. Eden, Eden, you and I would have spent a lot more time together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm intrigued by D&D. Oh. Yeah, my, my girlfriend's well, brother... to our D&D episode. Oh, really? <laughs> Cheap plug. I, I will listen to that. Do it. Because, <laughs> yeah, I'm such a big fan of, like, the even... Like you pick up those D and D books, like oh, the handbooks yeah. and stuff. Just the art and stuff. It's the so rad. But it's almost like to learn how to play in D D and D. It's like the same kind of mental energy as like learning Spanish or something. <laughs> yeah, do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's a hell of a commitment. I'd say yeah. quite quickly. You know the I mean? key to do is to find other people that already know how to do it and yeah. just slot in. Gotcha. If if you are learning it for yourself to do it with other people who have never done it, that would be yeah. My, that do, would be do you know how to play horrendous. It? Yeah, well, I got introduced by Eden. Right. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I, I, it, it's, and I just found you could slot right in. You don't yeah, have right. to read all those books gotcha. to play it, yeah, as yeah, long yeah. as someone knows what the hell they're doing. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, returnability <laughs> for me is uh, fat zero zero. When we discussed Twilight, <laughs> I at least was an, intrigued enough at the end of that completely horrendous film. Like, Twilight <laughs> is so much worse than uh, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. But I was at least intrigued enough in the world and where it could go that I Wikipedia'd the quick plot summaries <laughs> of the following movies. I don't care what happens <laughs> to Harry Potter and the rest of the gang, and I'd never want to read the book or see one of the films. <laughs> so it is a Whoa. zero from me. You don't want to find out what happens to Neville Longbottom? or um... <laughs> No, I don't. Seamus, I don't, don't even know who you're talking about. Hermione, yeah, she she gets she hot. she has a successful career in, yeah. in Beauty of the Beast. That's all I know about. Her. She gets hot. Yeah. What? Yeah, uh, whose turn is it next? <laughs> <laughs> partner friendliness. Is this a good one to watch uh, with your own partner? But in general, if someone's considering a date night movie. I think so. You know, it's got enough. It's kind of cozy and cute, and you can kind of yeah cuddle up and. You know, and it's not engage that engaging that if you you know wanted to have a little kind of sojourn during watching <laughs> yeah. it, you'd probably be able to come back forty five yeah. minutes later it's, and go, "Yep, yeah, this is yeah, it's got some fine. down points." Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So out of five, uh, yeah, probably good for that. So maybe four. Uh, I'm now. I'm going to give the score uh, for a partner in general. Give not... me the score for Kirsty. Oh, your if wife. for Kirsty, is a five, hands down. In like, general, I'm going to go a five. Whoa! Yeah, I think five it'll be out a, of five. I think it'll be a great partner movie. It's it's so 
unoffensive. Mm. It's easy to watch. Like you said, you don't have to be thoroughly engaged with it. And if uh, if one of you hates Harry Potter or hates that kind of movie in general, then you just it's have a, a good point. You get, yeah, you got a good thing to talk about and laugh. <laughs> 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 Dan does not look happy. Um, I've got an interesting one with this because my wife grew up in a very strict Christian household oh, and Harry Potter witchcraft. was banned. Yes. Jeez. And so she'd never seen it, never read any books, never um, consumed it whatsoever. I put it on the other night for the podcast uh, to get a bit of a recap for myself. And did, she... did you wrap her hands around your son's eyes? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, she was doing like um, some work on the computer and then I noticed throughout the film, like every sort of 15 minutes or so, the, the laptop got a bit closer to the couch and then a little bit closer. And then about halfway through the film, she was like, oh, so who's that guy? And what happened to that person? And she got sucked in. So originally I would have given this a big fat zero, but I think I need to up this to at least a three and a half because I agree with Eden. I think this is... Uh, at least culturally significant enough that most people would probably enjoy this, yeah. whether they be boy or girl or whatever. So, Very yeah. accessible. Yeah, well, my wife first started super engaged, like loving it, and then just got progressively less engaged, like you sort of outlined earlier, to which point at the end she just walked away, and this was her quote, there's just too much of kids screaming and running away. And that was that was her takeaway from that Harry Potter. describes the Goonies as well. It's like, <laughs> a lot of kids' movies. <laughs> so it didn't work for my wife, but I see the argument that it would work in a general society fairly successfully. So I'm going to give it a three and a half, mimicking your score there, Aiden. We'll return after these messages. Let's get the hell out of Hogwarts for a second and talk about recommendations of the week. Aiden. Yeah, so uh, have we got a time limit today? There's no time limit? There's always a time limit, Aiden. <laughs> okay, sorry. 20 uh, seconds, go. I'm recommending a show called Good Girls. It's kind of like Breaking Bad. Meets Girls Gone Wild. For girls. Okay. It's about um, three mums that are really struggling in their own lives and then they somehow get rolled into this gang world and they end up robbing supermarkets and selling drugs while they're sending their kids off to school and uh, supporting their families. It's a pretty good show. Where can you watch it? Oh, I've got no idea. It's got oh, ten- you've been watching it illegally. Eden! <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, yeah. Uh, everyone knows that uh, board games based on other intellectual properties are usually pieces of crap. But... <laughs> Do they? Does everyone know Everyone that? knows this. It's a common <laughs> fact, Aiden. Uh, but <laughs> the new Rick and Morty truth. game, uh, based on the episode uh, The Ricks Must Be Crazy, um, is really good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you spend your time building various contraptions in uh, either the Rickverse or the Miniverse or the Microverse or the Teenyverse. And, uh, yeah, you then spend some time getting some power up and trying to defeat your opponents. I was more of a home improvement board game man myself. You love the home improvement board game? That's a damn fine board game. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like having to play as Jonathan, though. That's always a downer. All right, uh, Dan, uh, what have you been getting into recently? I'm a little bit of a podcast fiend, and I've really been getting into this podcast. It sounds like it would be weird, but it's really beautiful. It's called the Bruce Lee Podcast, and it's his daughter, Shannon Lee, who's this very kind of cosmic, smart, uh, Californian woman 
um, talking about her father's philosophies because she has all these incredible books that Bruce Lee had written about uh, philosophy and life and self-improvement, a, a lot of it as well. Right. And it's just the most beautiful podcast and it puts you in a really great kind of frequency. It's Long just, episodes? Are they... They're about 45 minutes. Yeah. They, might be, they might be an hour. Um, and yeah, they're just, yeah, they're just very, very beautiful. And it's, and it, and it's always one of his philosophies, like, you know, like be, be like water, my friend and those kind of things. What's one philosophy that's really stood out to you while listening? Is there one you can share with us? Um, well that, I mean, the be, be water, my friend is, is a classic. Explain that. Well, that, well, he, he, he had this, it was in, I reckon enter the dragon. He said it and it was like, um, he was teaching this pupil at the beginning of it and he, and he says, um, Water, when you put water to into a cup, it becomes the cup. Uh, water can uh, flow or it can crash. Be like water, my friend. He was, And if you extrapolate it from, say, martial arts into life, I think it goes to more be, be open and be kind of malleable and don't be ever too rigid. Be willing to kind of grow. Um, and I guess every day or every interaction – allow yourself to be kind of present and engaged and kind of flow, you know, mm. without getting too deep in uh, spiritual right. here. But yeah, I like it. I really hope what you're about to plug, Dan, is just as important and um, deep as that. <laughs> I was just thinking what that I'm, I'm currently doing, uh, <laughs> I'm doing States of Matter with my grade seven class. We might have to watch Enter the Dragon. Yeah. That's a good <laughs> yeah. excuse to get some Bruce Lee into the classroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I'm... This I, I debated this on the way in because I don't like to blow smoke, but I have. Uh, we will talk about your album in a bit, but I've actually just been listening to that the most uh, in the last week. That is uh, the San Sebastian Alive on the Black Sea. What a sucker! I, I know, I know, <laughs> but you know, you invite people on because you like what they're doing, and I think it's a tremendous album. Uh, so yeah, if you, obviously, if you're a fan of uh, Leader Cheetah, uh, Dan's previous band, I think you're going to really enjoy this. I, I've had this thought uh, that if I was making a modern western with a rock soundtrack, I feel like the album could fit <laughs> right in. Is that is that fair or offensive? That's that's far from offensive, man. That, I mean, th- yeah, that's kind of my whole vibe. <laughs> Um, he yeah. is sitting on a horse in a studio, which, which ties in really well. I am chewing hay as we as we talk. Um, yeah, no, of course, man. I love I love all that stuff. I love um, you know spaghetti westerns and and Ennio Morricone is one of my all time heroes. Highly respectable result for Harry Potter Day. Coming in as our fourth rated, Ooh. four out of 20. Uh, so the fourth rated, my first time pop cultural experience with a score of 36. Coming in only behind, uh, in no particular order, Forrest Gump, Live Professional Wrestling and The Shining. And what wow. does it just beat? It just beats Twilight... <laughs> 
Which is mind-boggling. Yeah, what the hell? Yeah, that was somewhat... It just beats Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, it just beats Dirty Harry. Wow. Uh, yeah, and is trampling all over the top of things like Cruel Intentions, <laughs> Enya, and Blade Runner. Of course, ah. if you're a fan of any of those films or activities, go back and listen to the podcast, find the old episodes, uh, check them out, because uh, this is the sort of podcast that doesn't really date. You can listen to any episode at any time, so uh, jump into one that you like and check out the others. Before we go today, Dan, we've got to get you to talk about your band, the San Sebastian. Yeah. We've just released an album yep. uh, that, of course, I uh, gave a plug of the week to. Tell us where the uh, inspiration for this this group came of that you're doing with your brother. and Yeah, well, I um, I guess my old band, Leader Cheetah, um, we kind of started kind of slowing down around 2012. We 2009, we came out. We had a good run. We were very lucky. We had a feature album on Triple J, which helped kind of launch us into the kind of Australian musical zeitgeist um and from there we we had a really good couple of years played splendor in the grass a few times and toured with some amazing bands and that kind of thing and then i just started doing more studio work like going in and just doing songwriting and working with producers and things like that and um then i applied to go to nashville um to work on the unfinished works of this guy called albert brumley who I don't know if you guys have seen the Coen Brothers film, um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah. Yeah, so that, I'll fly away, fly away, oh, that song. So this guy wrote that song, and it's actually the most um, recorded and covered song in history. Wow. So, you know, obviously in that movie, it's Gillian Welsh and and Alison Krauss. But, you know, Willie Nelson, Elvis, Johnny Cash, everyone has sung that song. I always thought it was Summer of 69. It was the most covered <laughs> song of all time. Probably, probably in Australian pubs it is. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, so I applied to go finish these unfinished works that this guy had, had written and went to, it started in Austin working with these songwriters and then we went to the Ozark Mountains where this guy was from and performed the the songs to his descendants. And then we went to Americana Fest in Nashville and, and played them there. Um, and doing that really reignited my love of just kind of more kind of almost classic songwriting with, you know, just a bit more of a kind of organic feel to it um, sonically. Um, and it just, yeah, regalvanized me to want to write in that vein that kind of lead a cheetah, kind of bit alt country, kind of indie rock kind of thing. And we didn't demo anything. We'd just go straight into the studio once we'd kind of fleshed it out enough to try and capture the energy of it. And, um, and yeah. And then we got this guy, Phil Eck over in Seattle who, um, mixes stuff like Father John Misty and Fleet Foxes and the Shins and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's out now and, um, yeah, I hope people enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I think it's a fantastic album and yeah, if you haven't listened to, to it, I highly recommend it. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think also what, what is interesting is, yeah, I think you've probably got one of the most interesting uh, voices in Australian music. It's uh, got a very unique voice. Thanks, Dan. It packs an emotional heft. So yeah, get into the album, have a listen to that. And is there anywhere people can see you play as well in the coming months yeah. or days? Yeah, we're playing July 14th um, in Adelaide for this festival called Southern Twang Festival at uh, the Ed Castle. And then we're playing in sept- late September in Sydney at Dashville Skyline, which is billed as a 
Cosmic Country Weekender. <laughs> so it sounds pretty cool out in the Hunter Valley. That sounds great. Wow. Yeah. Cool. We'll check out uh, the San Sebastian and their new album. And, of course, we thank you for listening uh, wherever you are around the world. If you are loving the podcast, of course, we encourage you to tell a friend. Uh, but you can also uh, rate us on the iTunes store, subscribe, and that can do a hell of a lot of good for us. So thank you very much. We'll catch you next time where we'll be jumping into the public telephone box and checking out Bill and Ted. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs>